Satra Amistro Bin Hazarta. A day to fear now. Give me the power I beg of you. Awake! You are all going to die tonight. I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hello, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely, and today my guest uh, on this episode is... I am Meg Creelman. I am a amateur horror lover and uh, lover of all things ghost. Fantastic. Uh, is there anything that you've uh, seen lately, Meg, that you've enjoyed? Oh, Wow. Is I just, is I just throw you right under the bus? Boosh. <laughs> That's okay. Throw me <laughs> under the bus. Um, I, I actually got, got to rewatch uh, Lost Boys quite recently because uh, the director had died, and I figured it was high time to show my son, Aww. who's 12. Uh, yeah. So, of course, he had all these questions. What's going on? Why did – are they going to have a kissing scene? Yes. Yes, they are. It's okay, Snurp. Um <laughs> I'm more interested in some of the films that's coming out, but I think that's a later part of the uh, uh, program that you usually run. So I'll hold well, those off. What are you looking forward to? Um, actually, the- it's, it's been hard because the industry's changed so much. Like we'd normally have like we'd be seeing everything that's coming out in mm-hmm. like October, but stuff is being held out because they're not like they're not doing Halloween kills. I know. Is it Halloween Kills this this October? Because they want to save it for a theatrical experience, and it's it's been weird because stuff gets dropped on VOD. To, stuff before now got dropped on VOD without any warning, mm-hmm. and it feels like it's even getting less. There's like no word of mouth before stuff is just randomly thrown onto some VOD platform, and you don't know what's out there at all. Yeah, there's most of the stuff has been you know oh yes this big blockbuster is coming out and it's like well okay that's fine but what's it about? You know, there's no information. I mean, literally, the last film that I got to see in the theaters of any film uh, was Onward, and that was very special to me. But it's not—it's not, you know, uh, horror at all. It was more. Yeah. It, it was. It was an animated D and D adventure. It was really fun. Um, yeah, we saw it too. <laughs> we didn't see it in the theater. We saw it on Disney Plus, but I really I, enjoyed it. I got to see it in the theater, and I got a chance actually to go to the Pixar campus and got to see some of their artwork for it, but that is a completely different story. And That's awesome. <laughs> um, but, I have no complaints. No, no, it's just not the topic of this podcast. Um, but there's a, a World War II ghost story that's coming out. It's, uh, oh, God, what's it called? I, I posted a link to the um, trailer on A Knife and an Alibi. Let's see if I can find it while I'm busy chatting with you la 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 i remember the post and i and i don't yeah the well, ghost you know, of well, something you're looking for it i will uh i will go in because i've got a shit ton because okay so um just very very briefly touching on sorry that there there's been a, a month break in uh episodes but uh in the last two months i have had a uh full hysterectomy uh shit went wrong then I got to have a second surgery and more shit went wrong. And so that's, that has been the delay is it's multiple surgeries uh, that are not 
somehow I'm like, <laughs> uh, Jim and I and, and Tecla have started playing D&D, and I have found the uh, exact definition of when you roll a one, because um, I, 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 that's what I've been rolling <laughs> lately in life. <laughs> You found it. What was the name? Uh, Ghosts of War, which Ghosts sounds of War. I'm gonna yeah. write that down. Yeah. Um, from the trailer, as far as I can tell, you've got a group of allies. Uh, it's World War II. The yeah. you know it's it's sometime after the beaches of Normandy. So we're talking probably okay. mid June 1944, and uh, they have the allies lines has reached into. I have no idea. Somewhere where it would have been not maybe German-friendly, but certainly German-occupied territory. Sure. And this group of soldiers apparently come on this house, which they need to hold against the Nazis. And the house is haunted, as far as we can tell, by the ghosts of the family that had lived there that the Nazis, when they had taken over it, slaughtered in terrible, terrible ways. So it's, ah. so it's a World War II ghost story. and awesome. And, you know, of course, they're trapped because they've been told to hold this house. And, you know, from the trailer, you get the impression they show up and they go, okay, nice big empty house. Ooh, look, there's supplies. There's booze. And, you know, for a bunch of GIs that have been marching for who knows how long, makes perfect sense that they start off with a party. But then they get trapped because the Nazi forces surrounded the outside. There's only a handful of them. And they don't have anywhere else to go. So it's not even the, you stupid idiots, why don't you leave the house? It's they can't. The house. That's right. awesome. Right. That is, sounds awesome. And it looks like it's in part the kind of haunted house where it may not actually be the ghosts themselves that are haunting it. And maybe that the house remembers and it's got its own version of PTSD from the war, which is an interesting, you know, deal with this. Um, so, yeah, it looks. I love that, too, though. Yeah. Well, I, that's one of the things I like about ghost stories is that you got the kinds where it's okay, you know, here are these ghosts and they have personalities and they are stuck in this place and they do want to do horrible, nasty things to you. And then you get the other side, which is, okay, there are not any ghosts there specifically, but the house or the building or the spaceship is, in an essence, it's been traumatized by what's happened to the people inside it and it create and it becomes sentient almost. And it's, you know, dealing with its own little therapy, by having these thing, you know, having doing its yeah. thing to the people that come in to the house. Yeah, it's processing. It's processing its trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, and you you say that while, everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I have a whole bunch of stuff um, that I have been watching, and I'm going to cover it real briefly. Um, but a question that I have for you hmm. is: Have you found? the shutdowns and the global pandemic, have you found it changing like what you watch or what you can watch at all? Or are you still watching all the same things that you normally would? I have found, well, I have found that there's a certain amount of topics that are more painful to watch, mm-hmm. but there's also some, you know, we were, I was talking about, you know, therapeutic uh, behavioral patterns, I found that there are some other uh, topics that have been helpful for me to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And 
something where people work very hard to survive. I mean, you know, the, the classic zombie stories are always such a relief because then it's, you know, here you are dealing with something that nobody could have possibly predicted was going to happen and you got to get through it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, one of my, one of my favorites in, you know, in the genre is actually uh, Mary Grant's Newsflesh World. Um, oh, yeah. I actually just reread that too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when, when people are, are overcoming insurmountable odds, it's, you know, it's, it's really therapeutic to me because it's like, you know what, if they can get through that, I can wear a fucking mask outside, which I didn't ever have a problem with. (sighs) Exactly. It's really funny because, um, my, my watching has shifted a little bit because my stress watch always was horror. Like I've had a bad day, you know, back in the video store days, I would go to the video store and I would rent four horror movies and go home and watch them and feel better about things. And I don't know, there's like a certain level of anxiety that just, it has really been changing what I can and can't watch. And uh, two movies that uh, I kind of wanted to watch, but like, I even found the trailers upsetting is Shudder has a film out called um, The Beach House, Mm. which is kind of a body horror. Um, Like this couple goes and there's an older couple who like runs the beach house and like lives in the area and they go there and there's something in the water that gets in their bodies. And like, that just fucking upset me. Like, I couldn't handle it. And then Mm. there's another one. Um, about a woman who loses uh, contact with her elderly mother. It's called the relic or relic Mm. and um, goes out to see what's going on. And it's another kind of like a body horror slash changeling. Something happened while she was out in the woods that seems to have changed her. And like part of me really wants to watch these and like, Another part of me is just like, I can't fucking handle that right now. Yeah. Um, but it's really funny. What I have been watching a lot of is um, I got a book called The Female Gaze. And you see, I've got it right here on the shelf next to me. Uh, it's Essential Movies Made by Women. Um, and it's kind of like, it's a lot of foreign. Um, one of the movies that I watched was um, Dance Girl Dance, which is an old... I've watched a couple like... Um, not comedic uh, Lucille Ball movies recently. Um, I watched Dance Girl Dance, which is a woman directed from like, I think it's like the 40s. And then um, I watched this movie called Lourdes, which was actually um, kind of put up as a noir, mm. where um, this one woman, uh, her friend has been corresponding kind of to pick up. It's it's basically don't meet a guy on the internet because he'll kill you. But it's the personal ads from the newspaper. And these women kept getting killed. And um, mementos are taken from them uh, as trophies. So it's, it's actually, it's a serial killer movie, mm-hmm. you know, from like the early 40s where the guy was picking up his women from, from, uh, classified ads in the newspaper and so one of her friends get taken and so she works with the police officers to lure him out um and it's really really neat um because i'd never seen any movies with lucille ball that weren't comedic or i love lucy right um and so it's really neat seeing her do these like kind of juicier roles um, I've also been watching a whole bunch of noir lately um, because I've started watching Saturday Night has Noir Alley on Turner Classic Movies. Um, and I've been watching them every Saturday night and they have like a group of people that like live tweet watching them. And so like I've watched, gosh, I watched The Lady from Shanghai with Ors- Orson Welles. Um, 
I watched, uh, gosh, what were some of the other ones? I had The Sign of the Ram, The Lady from Shanghai, um, movie called The Breaking Point. I watched uh, The Maltese Falcon on my own just because it was putting me in, in. I've just, I've really been wanting to watch like an old. Because it, it's funny because with a lot of these movies, there's just as much tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Gun Crazy. Um, there's just as much tension as there would be a kind of in a horror movie, but there's something about them being in black and white. And I think, I think I'm able to handle the tension in them because like with my old horror movies, like how I used to watch them, it wouldn't stress me out because it seemed so extraordinary. Yeah. And so now I'm having to go even a little step farther by putting them into black and white. You've seen uh, Cast a Deadly Spell, right? I have. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I like that because it's, you know it's it's got the the horror aspect, the Lovecraftian, without actually being Lovecraft with its. I know. Uh, um, so awesome. But it's got this levity to it that it's it's so you know you almost expect it. Uh, Fred Ward. Yes, Fred Ward, uh, David Warner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it's got you know it's almost Monty Python esque takes on noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you got, you got an element of horror that you don't get in a classic noir film. And of course, you know, I always loved the, the real classic, uh, monster movies, you know, the, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, the Boris Karloff Franz- Frankenstein. I know a lot of people just like, eh, the, the Boris Karloff mummy is kind of bleh. Um, I actually just, I just posted because I'm doing like a 30 day movie thing and I, I saw asleep a whole bunch of times yes. <laughs> to the mummy and I, I love Karloff, but like, and actually he was in Lourdes. Uh, he was the first man, um, that put an ad in the paper for Ooh. a comely young woman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, so if you go, it was wonderful. So if you go even back further and you do, uh, some of the classic Peter Laurie films, uh, especially like M for Murder and things like that, you know, that's. Oh my goodness! Going into the depths of the the depravity yeah. of the human mind. Uh, okay, I, I'm going to take this off track for a second. Oh God! Stop telling me my internet is unstable. It's fine. Absolutely. Um, did you ever hear the story of what Peter Lorre did in response to a letter from Hitler? I don't no. know. If, I don't know if this is true or not. It certainly sounds apocryphal, but it's I want to so hear fun. it though. Okay, so when Hitler was rising to power. In the 30s, he wanted support from around the world. He was, he was, you know, he's, he was. He was also really, really interested in the movie industry. Yeah, he was trying very hard to get a lot of support from the movie industry, and he did, in fact, snag some people. Uh, yeah. Errol Flynn being one of the more uh, nefarious supporters of Hitler, yeah. even all I think even all the way through the war. So, ew. Um, another reason not to like him. Anyway. So, you know, he was especially interested in German actors who had emigrated to Hollywood to do films, and he wanted them. And so the story goes is that he sent this sort of almost a form letter to all of these actors, but especially the the German-born ones. And it said something on the order of, you know, why don't you return to Germany and make films for the glory of the Reich? And Laurie's response, (laughs) this is great. Um, And again, apocryphal, but oh, such a good story. He's just saying, you know, Herr Hitler, I am, you know, very honored by your offer to return to Germany, the land of my birth, to make films. But I'm afraid that Europe is not big enough for two such great murderers as you and I. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And again, I have no idea if it's true, but oh, so satisfying. But, uh, but uh, yeah, actually, the, you one know, of the that movies sort of, that... Uh... 
Because I just watched uh, The Maltese Falcon, which he's in, and he's wonderful. But I also watched a movie. So (laughs) I am starting, I'm a big letterboxed person because I love creating lists. Mm. And um, one of the lists that I've created that I just saw a bunch of movies for is is literally women who are done with your shit. Um, <laughs> and I've actually just found uh, two movies to add to it. And one of them also had, they, they set up this movie to kind of be, um, and I haven't said the name yet, they set up this one movie to kind of be a, a sequel to uh, The Maltese Falcon. Mm. Except they couldn't get Bogart. Uh, they couldn't get this, couldn't get that. And it just wasn't working. They wanted it to be a mystery kind of after The Maltese Falcon. And it's called Three Strangers. <clears throat> and this one woman pulls these two men off the street, uh, one being um, Peter Lorre. Mm. And they have him in the kind of Bogart role where he's the leading man slash detect. Or he's he's a leading man, uh, kind of hard bitten, which is funny because it's like you're so used to seeing him as kind of foppish and then seeing him being like. But um, the woman who pulls them in, she's uh, praying to this, this, I believe it's an Indian god or goddess and and it was funny because i was watching it and it was on the noir alley so there's a bunch of tweets and one of my friends lisa got super upset because it ba- apparently it was just bastardizing the oh, actual no. lore about this god <laughs> but what what the gist of it was was at this certain time at the end of the year on new year's um three strangers have to come together all wish for the same thing even though they don't know each other, they can't learn each other's names. They all have to wish as hard as they can for the same thing at the like turning of the year to that God. And it will come true. And, um, but they can't ever learn each other's names. They can't know anything about each other. It's part of the thing for it. And the woman who sets it up is just like, she's just a fucking badass. She sets all this up, brings strange men back to her apartment to get what she wants. She wants her husband back who has moved on and and is just willing to do whatever she has to. I mean, she scares the shit out of the poor girl who's come down from Canada to like find love with her her soon hopefully soon to be ex-husband. Just scares the pants off and fucking lies her ass off to her and just it, it's just fucking awesome. But it has Peter Lorre in a leading role in as like, you know, and it, it was kind of awesome mm. to see him as, you know, this different character. And I'm sure he's done this, you know, other times. I just, now that I'm seeking these movies out, but it was great seeing him in a different, a different type of role. Yeah, it's always fun um, when they get a chance to, to really show off their chops. I mean, you know, you were talking about Lucy Ball, Ball doing something other than comedy. And, oh, God, some, I'm suddenly blank on the uh, Nielsen uh, he did all the airplane movies, you know, silver-haired guy. Oh yeah, he started out as a heavy. Yeah, he yeah, was. He Leslie was Nielsen. in. He was in Forbidden Planet. He was the yeah. captain of the ship, and you know, people going, "Holy crap, that's him!" Yeah, yeah, yeah that means he can act, and it's 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 kind yeah. of acting. Yes, no shit. <laughs> uh, and of course, we see you know we see even now, nowadays you know you see uh, Hugh Jackman doing the song and dance in uh, in in you know the Greatest Showman or with the whole the hell it was called yeah i'm so yeah. bad at names um <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you know it's in but those those noir movies yeah. they have such and and that's one of the and it had a lot of really good roles for women too yeah they um, did i actually kind of i i i like um i like the femme fatale Mm-hmm. a little bit more than everybody holds up in horror that the final girls well we can't be non 
feminist because we have final girls. But in so many ways, final girls are set up to be, they're these manic pixie dream girls for the guys. They're, you know, they have to be virginal and pure. And, you know, there's all these rules that they have to follow so that they can be like these perfect women for the guys that they can survive to the end. Yeah. Whereas the femme fatales, like I fucking love them because they will fucking murder. They will cut they a will, They will fucking cut you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, speaking of stuff that is horror that I've seen uh, lately, uh, a thing I really liked, and I do, I love me some folk horror-esque horror. And there is a mm. movie that I, I was getting pissed because I couldn't find it on um, I couldn't find it on Letterboxd because apparently it went through a title change. Uh, on Amazon on Prime, uh, it's under The Soul Collector, but when you look for it on uh, Letterboxd, it also went through um, a couple of film festivals. It was called Eight, A South African Horror Story. And Ooh. it is a full core about um, this man. It's really, really good. And it's one of those movies that... Um, like the first like the first couple pages of people are like this movie fucking sucks it's fucking boring fuck 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 it's boring i hate it i hate it i hate it because it's a full core <laughs> it's a little bit slow it is um this uh aunt and uncle and a little girl her parents had passed and uh they came into um this in in south africa uh this old farm that the guy's dad used to own that they came into and they moved back there um and they're trying to make it work and uh, there's an old man who comes up and this is it's kind of set back a little way in time. Um, I don't have I don't remember the exact time frame it's supposed to be set in, but it's not now. And this old man comes up and um, he says, oh, I used to work for your father. Um, and you end up finding out that he has and it's in the like it's in the blurb mm-hmm. that he had uh, made a deal with the devil because his, his daughter had died that he wanted her back. Oh, and, you know, it's like, you know, you make those deals to get somebody back. What do you get back? And um, it is it is it is just fully cursed. There is no there is no real good ending (laughs) for much of anybody. Uh, But it's stylistic and beautiful and folk horror. And it's exactly the kind of thing I love. Mm -hmm. And it's it's just a nice, slow burn kind of horror. Sounds Um, a bit like the skeleton key. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I love the skeleton key. Skeleton key. Yeah. I wish. I wish more people. Yeah. No, I that. loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, you know, there, there are jokes about you know Southern Gothic horror, and you know, and and, uh, and the skeleton key, you know, has so much about that because again, the the female protagonist starts off as a non-believer, and as it goes along, she gets you know more and more drawn in, and of course, you get that twist. And, you know, oh, my God, it's John Hurt. You know, for somebody who has no yeah. lines, he is acting, acting circles. Acting his fucking ass off. Yeah. Yeah. And Gina Rollins is 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 both off-putting and terrifying mm-hmm. at times. Uh, yeah. No, it's really funny. I did not mean to. Um, but I've watched a bunch of things that uh, have a lot of New Orleans horror in them, I watched uh, Candyman Farewell to the Flesh mm. um, because I gave um, Horror Noir a rewatch where they were talking about, you know, they're like, uh, nobody gives the Candyman sequels very much credit, even though they do so much mm-hmm. to expand on the horror. And there's a whole bunch of things that they talk about um, in the New Orleans it, because that's where they are. Right. Um, and then uh, it's really funny because uh, Jim and I. 
rewatched uh, Runaways and finished off the second and third seasons, which we hadn't watched when it came out. And it had a bit from uh, Cloak and Dagger, mm. which is another kind of Marvel-esque. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and we're watching it for the first time. And the young man um, in the series, his father participates in one of the tribes down in New Orleans where they, they build the regalia. Right. And it's funny because that's something... I feel like the U.S. just doesn't talk about, like, the community that that, that exists down in New Orleans it's such and an its inc- culture. Yeah, it's such an incredible yeah. layers because, you know, you got, you know, okay, you've got the whole cultural thing. Okay, you've got the, the Spanish part, you've got the French part, you've got the African experience and how much and they... And you've got the, the, isn't the Gullah stuff down yep, there too? Yeah, Gullah stuff is down there too. Yep. And so you got, okay, here are all the histories of these people and how much they held, held on to it and, the, and this yep. layer upon layer. You've got a bunch of Irish immigrants that came down there you've got the french canadians that came down there and then you get to the particular instances that happened in the city i mean madame lalaurie being one of the more colorful um if that's the right word to use parts of the city history (laughs) but you know you got to look at that and go okay this this woman you know that you know look there's this thing you look at that and go okay that did not come out of nothing and of course you know madame yeah. laveau and her daughter and, and, and there's so much yeah yeah and the fact yeah, that and there's so much of of like the mardi gras experience mm-hmm. um was built on the backs of all of those traditions and now it's just become yeah stupid college kids getting drunk oh god um yeah i know there, i know there's a a story written uh, are you familiar with shauna mcguire's uh, encrypted universe and her ghost roads Characters. I am, but I haven't read. I haven't read those okay. series. Okay. Um, I yeah. will. I will see if I can send you the link because they did. Oh God, I'm blanking on the name of the actual adventure, but it was a little little one shot. I think you can find it on her website. Mm. Um, but okay. but um, it is it is alluded to in one of the books. I think it's the fourth encrypted book. But the upshot is that... I've loved all of her other books. I should totally give them a shot. Well, she's got a bunch of short stories on her site. And, of course, she loves to deal with that element of the world and the underneath. Especially with the uh, the girl with the green, green silk gown and all that line. Oh, my God. I, could, you know, I love that. But that's me. Um, <laughs> but there's this one adventure she wrote as a short story. and put it in, I th- Again, I think it's on her website. Where... Uh, Verity and her boyfriend, uh, I think they might be engaged at that point, spoiler, uh, go down to New Orleans with uh, Mary, no, 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 not Mary, God, what's her name, the Hitchhiking Ghost, I should know this. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, but they go down to New Orleans and encounter spirits that have to deal with, among other things, the ghosts of Mardi Gras and their own float that they got to put together and the problems that they are encountering. And it's this lovely little slice of Ghost Road encrypted universe that Shannon has created and the spirit that that really encompasses a lot of New Orleans and the Mardi Gras culture that has grown up from all of these layers. Um, so I'll send you a link and you can you can uh, read it. You can share it with other people. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and and just even talking about this is kind of um, reminded me. I just um, we've got a, a local 
Seattle author named Sherry Priest, hmm. um, who's written a bunch of steampunk novels. Um, yes, I've read some also written a, Yeah, and she's written a bunch of other stuff, too. And her books that originally got me into reading her stuff was uh, she had a, did a three-book um, Southern Gothic mm-hmm. series that's just... It's creepy and scary and wonderful. Um, it was... I'm trying to... Let's see here. Um, uh, gosh, darn it. Of course, now that I'm trying to... Um, there uh, was 4 and 20 Blackbirds, uh, Wings to the Kingdom, and Not Flesh Nor Feathers, which is... It's kind of a ghost story, Southern Gothic. It's really wonderful. And then um, one that she just... She did two um, young adult books mm-hmm. um, that I read and that Tekla read. Um, and the most recent one that came out called is called Agony House. Is about a, um, a mom and a daughter and her new stepdad that moved back to New Orleans mm. after uh, her father and grandmother died uh, during Katrina. And they were part of the groups that moved away um, and then finally found their way back, whereas so many people didn't after leaving the New Orleans area because they just couldn't find a way to come back. Everything that they had there had been lost. Um, and uh, it's, I don't know, it's just New Orleans keeps, maybe because it's hot in summertime, uh, I keep finding wonderful New Orleans stories to to either watch or, or read. <laughs> um, so the only other horror thing that I watched... Um, I still don't know if I recommend it, but it's very pretty. Um, and it was on Amazon Prime, and it's called Paradise Hills. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has um, the Roberts girl who was in the American Horror Stories things. Oh. I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name uh, either. And it's kind of, yeah, and it's kind of in... Um, it's in this universe where there is... She's, they're kind of, uh, they, they send all of these girls who are just too messy and too much of a problem. And they're all affluent girls who get sent off to this um, respite place to, uh, who's run by, um, run by a woman who kind of reprograms them to send them back out into the world. Um, And it's, but the thing is, stylistically, it's very lush and very, very gorgeous. Um, and it's the story of these girls, like, being off there to be kind of reprogrammed so that they can, you know, it's kind of seen as like a rehab center. (laughs) Um, if they've, yeah, yeah, (laughs) except it ends up, ends up, ends up being just a little bit more. Um, stylistically, it was really, really neat. It was, it wasn't anything totally new or, um, but it was very pretty. <laughs> yeah, we have. I was uh, I was thinking about recommending it to Jillian because it kind of seemed her jam. Oh yeah, yeah. The rehab is also one of those those areas yeah, yeah. where where uh, it's very easy to go very dark very quickly, but it's it's sometimes hard to uh, yeah. to make it work. And yeah. you have to be yeah. very careful. The only it. other thing, yeah, the only other thing that I've watched is I. I uh, I kind of given myself the present while I was recovering of having Eggcorn, which is the uh, British show channel on. Uh, um, I know that one. On 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 Amazon, uh, yeah. And so I watched uh, Broadchurch for the very first time. Oh. My God, no wonder no wonder everybody was fucking talking about yeah. that show 
years ago because it's fucking fantastic. Yep. Um, and after I finished it off, I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to watch now? And then I watched um, Dead Water Fell, mm. uh, which also has David Tennant. And it was really, really, really good. Um, once I was done with those, I was kind of looking for more more murder um, mm. to watch. And uh, people kept recommending... Um, the fall. Yeah, I think Jillian. it was I, Jillian Anderson. I think it was yeah. one of the ones who recommended yeah. it to you. I started it, and while the story was interesting, I just couldn't get into it because mm-hmm. it it's a it's a great story, but you don't like the way with Broadchurch is how you dug into everybody's life. Yeah, I felt like you just kept not getting in it. It might have happened more. Like you might have gotten a little bit deeper into everyone if I'd kept watching it and I might return to it at some point. Right. But if it doesn't hook you, it doesn't hook you. And that's nothing to be, that's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunately very common in fandom where, you know, you, you say, Oh, you really like this kind of story, like comedy Mm -hmm. or space adventure or horror. And you say, Oh, have you seen this series? And the person, you know, you can almost see the look on their faces going, well, I, I, I started to watch it, but I couldn't really get into it. And you you can see they're just bracing themselves for the tirade of, well, why didn't you? The onslaught of like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Firefly yeah. being one of those series. I mean, I know a couple of friends of mine who honestly said, I am not watching the series because I'm better off saying I have not seen it than potentially not liking it and then having to face all the backlash. And I went, fair cop. <laughs> Honest, yeah, fair yeah. cop. Yeah. Yeah, man. Some of our fandoms are pretty fucking toxic. <laughs> yeah. And it's all, and it's all over. And I'm sure everybody who's ever listened is going, Oh yeah, I had that experience. Mm. I, I remember when Halloween, um, there was a, 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 there's okay. There's a, a ship in this harbor in Alameda. It's called the USS Hornet. And uh, they have a Halloween bash most years. They're not having it this year for stupid people for can't wear masks. Um, But they have a, you know, they have a big thing and and it's at an adult party. You know, there's booze served and things like that. And they, they actually use part of the, the Hornet is, is supposedly haunted. There have been haunted sightings there, which is fun. And uh, they do like a haunted house in some of the below decks, which is really fun. I went through them once. It's great. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. And they have a show, uh, Lee Press on in the Nails, which is a local uh, swing band that. Oh, you've heard of them, have you? That's awesome. Yeah, they are. No, I haven't. I just love the name. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Lee Press on the na- Lee Press on and the Nails. Their uh, latest album. That's beautiful. Their latest album actually dropped last year, and it's called Last Request. They do a big band cover of Grim Grinning Ghosts. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to seek that out. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. (laughs) I will send you the link. More people must listen to their music. But anyway, (laughs) getting back, um, there was a a young couple who had come out as uh, Peter Parker in his Spider-Man outfit and Gwen in her Spider, awesome. ghost spider outfit. And I saw them and I went, oh, this is so great. Can I take your picture? And they're like, yeah, sure. And ghost spider had just started to come out. You know, I think like yeah. issue two had dropped at that point. And so I looked at the girl and I said, you know, have you read, uh-huh. go, have you read spider Gwen ghost, uh, spider Gwen ghost spider? And she went, no. 
And I could see that brace. Oh, you're so lucky. You get to read it now. Yeah, and I I went, oh, no, 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 no. I said, well, it only just came out, and I think you'll really like it. And she relaxed. Yep. But anyway, getting back to horror and its many wonderful forms. Well, (laughs) you just gave me the best intro of discussing what was a formative horror for you. I remember quite fondly um, Alien. Um, I think one, because I always like ghost stories. Um, I love always, and I still do. People don't realize it's like a haunted house. Yeah, it is. It is very much so. It's just taken in a different thing. Um, when Event Horizon came out years later, I was like, this is a fucking haunted house in space. This is awesome. Um, but I remember, you know, I, I always liked my favorite episodes of Doctor Who, for instance, were always the one that was, that had a ghost involved. Um, so when I finally got to see Alien, and it, you know, and again, I think a lot of the way that they did it was because the budget that they didn't have, you know, they could not show the, you know, beautiful Geiger-esque alien in its entirety because you kind of look at it and go, yeah, okay, the head is really cool and all the bits are really cool, but you can really see it's a guy in a suit if you see it in full light. So, of course, they did the classic haunted house horror thing that dates back keep it in the dark keep it in the dark only show the size only show the shadows and things like that and i liked the fact and especially you know with what has been reminded nowadays i like the fact that ripley the only smart person in the crew who says if i let you in we break quarantine and we could all die like it's literally against the rules yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so it's not even the whole, oh, I don't know. Is this going to be a problem? No, Ripley is very level-headed. And of course, and again, this was, you know, one of, one of it's not a horror film, but one of the, the formative uh, other movies that I remember was always uh, Star Wars, you know, the first one. And, mm, yeah. and, you know, I absolutely loved Leia. And I even got to uh, beat her in a masquerade when I was two. <laughs> awesome different story not in started that love of costuming so early oh there's there's a different story about that i'll tell you some other time <laughs> anyway um but you know here is here is ripley and of course we're we were so used to the people burger the 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 virginal pure i'm busting my mic here the, you know the 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 oh you had the word for it i'm blanking uh sparkly uh manic pixie dream manic girl. pixie dream girl thank you um, I didn't learn that term until quite recently. Uh, but you know, you, you got that kind of thing, which you, we've always seen in horror films. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden you got somebody who is, she's fucking second in command. Capable. She's capable. Yeah. She knows the rules. She is a warning everybody. And when it comes down to it and the captain is taken away, uh, she takes command and tells these people to shut the hell up and get together and of course she carries that on to the other movies and it was really funny because um i i was so thrilled when you said that this was the the movie that you wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. because i had just rewatched it because ian holm had just passed and it still just kind of blows my mind that everybody's like oh baggins and you know and everything and i'm like ash like he was terrifying. Yeah. He was terrifying. Yes. Yes, he was. Absolutely. <laughs> and monstrous. Yes. But anyway, you were saying. Yeah. Um, so, but again, you know, and, 
and the whole concept of why the hell are they out there? Why are they doing this? And and again, you can see that they spent so much time on the set dressing that you're wondering, what is this place that they're at? What is that thing? And you get these little little teasers of the universe that was created yeah. for this. I mean, what it's what? it's like yeah. the 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 stories that they actually bother to go through. Uh, Jim Henson talked about it when they made Dark Crystal, which is you know in some ways also a very horrible film. Yeah. Um, that they they did all of this work on the history of the planet, and you see like maybe five percent of it. Yeah. But it makes that world rich. It makes that world yeah. believable, even if it's a ship in yeah. space. Yeah. What I, it's really funny because I actually saw Aliens uh, before I saw Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was just the right age when Aliens came out to like, I was staying at my cousin's house and it, it was just running on HBO all the time. And I watched it and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Because when you're, when you're young, when you're a tween or teen, mm-hmm. like it's just great horror action movie yeah and then i came home and we had the novelization for alien at my um my high school was 7 through 12 Mm -hmm. and i read it and i was like holy fucking shit and then i ended up watching alien Mm -hmm. and it's really funny because when i was really young like aliens was my jam because that was my introduction Mm -hmm. but being like a you know pardon the phrasing a grown-ass fucking adult woman (laughs) like Alien. Like, Alien is the one that if I'm having a day where I want to be reminded that maybe you should listen to the fucking woman in the room who knows what the fuck she's talking about, I throw on Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I have probably only rewatched Aliens once in the last 15 years, mm-hmm. but I've probably rewatched Alien at least like seven or eight times. Mm-hmm in that time Mm -hmm. and again it's one of those things where okay yeah they didn't have a lot of money to do this and cgi probably wouldn't change a whole hell of a lot but it doesn't it is and you know but but you look at it and go you know what i don't care if that's grapes and milk and spaghetti i'm willing to believe that that is an android's guts because it's just that weird it is. And I think because of um, because they were just a working man ship mm-hmm. full of working people that were pissed about how many shares they were going to get, about whether or not they were going to get a bonus, mm-hmm. and, and, and that there, so much of their life was just drudgery. Yeah, Yafik Koto. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love some of the lines he has. I know. <gasps> he's just so pissed the whole time because he's just a schmuck working on basically a dump truck in space. Yeah. And, but I think because it was just a working man's ship who gets pulled into fuckery, mm-hmm. um, it, it allows the movie not to become dated. Yeah. And, and because you're not seeing a bunch of special effects, mm-hmm. um, it, it feels just as current as it did the day it was made. Mm-hmm. In fucking 78. And then, and then, you know, came out in 79. I mean... Yeah. It's been out there for so long and you watch it and it's just still as fucking amazing as it Mm -hmm. was. I can't even. That's one of those movies that I would love to go and see it, have seen it in the theater when it was first released because it's so mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. You just watch it and you go, I can relate to these people. I understand where they're coming from. And again, they avoided a lot of the 
more people burger mistakes, people burger movie mistakes, like killing off the only black guy really early. It's like, why would you do that? Why? I like yeah. that. I like that he survives as long as he does. I would have liked him to survive the movie, but you know, okay, if we can only focus on one person living all the way to the end, at least they didn't go with a yeah. guy. Um, and of course, there's no indication yeah. that Ripley is supposed to be and the quality. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's no indication that Ripley is supposed to be this virginal, innocent thing. It's like, no, this is a seasoned space, you know, garbage woman. Okay, fine, but you know, she's not. And she's not the only woman in the crew either, which is also no. a common mistake. No. Uh, Veronica Cartwright was mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And and it's just, it, I mean, there's there's no there's no low points in any of the actors. Like, every fucking actor on that mm-hmm. is just absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, so good. you know, so and, good. and again, the, the creature, I mean, beautifully beautifully designed and executed and you know they filmed it exactly the way to give it the biggest scare i mean you know when you think that she's all safe and of course you know it would have especially true in the the theater when they weren't quite so used to you know checking to see how long the movie had gone he's like okay you know she's in there she's rescued the cat okay that was kind of dumb but i i knew why they did it yeah, I I like Jonesy. I like that Jonesy survived, but then I always like it when the cat survived. I get. I tried to save the cat too. I would have too. <laughs> I I I yeah, I'm a sucker. What can I say? Um, but you know, they, you think she's safe in the the getaway, you know, in in the escape pod, and everything's going to be fine. And then there's that last little, you know, you're not quite there yet. So fucking awesome. Yeah, and okay, I could have done without her needing to strip down into her skivvies in order to be able to get into the pod. I could have done without that, but it's like, all right, yeah, fine. I love the men are in, like, big, but women are in, like, oh, oh, 1979 underwear. Oh, God! <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, Sigourney Weaver, terribly, terribly hot. Thank you very much. Yes, she is. Yes, even now. Whoo! Yep. Um... You're like, checklist, yes. Yes. Still bisexual. Yes. <laughs> that does it for me. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad that they didn't, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad that they didn't, you know, make her completely, oh, yeah, she has to strip down to nothing to get into the pot. No, she fucking you know, doesn't. No- nothing about it felt, I mean, yes. You can tell it was a male writer and a male director that's like, and then she gets down to her underwear to get into the pod. But even doing so, it didn't feel. At that point, she's alone, or at least she thinks she yeah, is. Yeah, it didn't she feel backs- sex potty. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, yeah. She, okay. It didn't feel like she wanted to be comfortable. Okay, fine. I can I can yeah. go with that. I wish they had yeah. given her slightly more. You know, I, I wish it anything. Yeah, like they boy should, shorts. They, when they show the men, when they show the men getting out there, these big billowy boxers. Yeah, you know, big baggy tank tops. Yeah, and you're like really. Yeah, I remember. Sure. I remember in I, I was I mentioned it earlier, Event Horizon, which was one of those uh, mm-hmm. movies that that you know again haunted spaceship, and I like the fact that for that one, 
uh, Jolie Richardson and, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the medic, um, the actress played the medic. Uh, but I saw, I like the fact that they've got, because it's more of a military vessel, that they've got everybody in tank tops and basically short shorts. Uh, there mm-hmm. is some stuff in the novelization that didn't quite make it in, but uh, Cooper, who is the uh, search and rescue guy with the attitude, who lives? Yay! Um, he goes into his tank naked, and we don't see that. Um, which is kind of a, well, shucks. Uh. <laughs> so, um, leaving, leaving Alien behind, my feelings when I was like, Meg, what is your modern horror movie that reminds you why you love horror? Uh, it was Crimson Peak. Um, it bless you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for giving me an excuse to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Crimson Peak, because again, you know, it's it's so classically gothic romance that has that element yeah. of horror in it. And it, you know, and, and I, oh man, I, it's one of those movies that should have done so much better at the box office. But, you know, again, marketing, they marketed it yeah. wrong. They, they, they mismarketed it, and and I don't know. You know, it, the, the fact of it is, is it, I'm looking for, I'm, I'm like looking through my shelves, because I got my shelves right here, and I'm trying to remember the name of the Vincent Price horror movie that he said was his big inspiration. Oh, for, wow. Because I've got the book, and I've got the movie, too. Oh, The Crimson Peak. Um, oh, shoot. Um... It doesn't matter. It could have been any um, one of them. Uh, 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 oh, Dragonwick? It was a, Dragonwick. Dragon it was Dragonwick. Yes. Because um, he is. He is such a... He is such... Hiddleston is such a young Vincent Price gothic... Icon? But I, well, yeah, he's... he's But he's really playing that role mm-hmm. of being slightly foppish, slightly moody and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um and and I fucking absolutely adore. And this, like Edith, Edith is wonderful. Yeah, but I fucking live. I live for Lucille because Lucille yeah. goes on my list of women who are fucking done with your shit. Yes, yes. And Jessica Chastain's uh, commentary, and and she put herself through hell because Ugh. she wanted. You know, I've never listened to the commentary on that. I totally need to. Um, Ashley, if you got the art book, uh, they discuss a lot. They just have a lot of the discussions between uh, Jessica Chastain and, and Guillermo del Toro, and you know they discuss things like, uh, much like uh, Anthony Hopkins doing Hannibal, Lucille never blinks. Oh, she doesn't, and she did that on purpose. That's amazing because it's otherworldly. Yes. And she and slightly monstrous. Yes. When you you have these, it is such a humanizing thing. Yeah, yeah. And of course, and when it doesn't exist. Yes. Yeah. And and so that that unhuman behavior that Lucille yeah. projects and makes her. Just I mean, I don't want to totally make Lucille like the main the main, you know, <laughs> reason that you like the film, but. But but she kind of is, and but the thing is, I love Edith too. Yeah, and you know, it's oh, there's just so many. So, have you ever read the novelization? I have of the book. Mm-hmm. The book. 
what I fucking loved, and it's it's a point that you you mentioned earlier, and it was such a wonderful lead in to the rest of our discussion, was they have a chapter in the book that is from the house's point of view. Mm-hmm. That's talking about like it as a living being and a living thing that exists to the people, the things that that travel its its halls. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it's just so yeah. good. There, it, but it's such a beautiful movie. It is. And and again, it's, you know, you could tell it's a labor of love. And you listen to, you know, or read about Guillermo del Toro talking about it and how he he's so insistent on everything. And of course, I'm looking at this hall and with my love of medieval history, I'm looking going, oh my goodness. So that was the original building. And then they added this on and this came from that century. This and you can see the frescoes on the walls. And, and I hadn't even read yeah. a lot of the stuff from the art book and I was picking it up so it you know to me it was this guy gets it um I actually had a chance I really need to I need to read more of it <laughs> it's it's oh stop because I own it too yeah but I just haven't yeah yeah um but you know I actually had the chance to go to uh Prague two years ago and I got to go to Ch- Dublin last year and in both cases, I got an experience where I got to see a building where the layers upon layers of history can be seen. I went to uh, the big cathedral in Prague, uh, St. Vitus's, and you can still see the 13th century remnants of the frescoes on the very, very top of the ceiling. And then you can see, okay, well, this woodwork here is obviously from 16th something because it's got a date on it thank you and here's this weird silver gilt baroque monstrosity over here and i got to go see a, another cathedral in uh, outside of prague uh it's a saint barbara's cathedral which was even more fun for one wasn't crowded yay yeah and uh, it was right near the sedlik ossuary which is so much fun um that's the one that's called the bone <laughs> church oh i could do oh yeah <laughs> yeah but again, you can see you can see the layers upon layers. And so when people build a set that's supposed to be, you know, yes, this thing is hundreds of years old. Uh, but you can see that they actually bother to do, you know, okay, we got the, the, the frescoes that are, you know, Middle Ages. And you've got the Baroque added, you know, got the, the, the Elizabethan added on. you got the Baroque gilding on top of that. And, of course, everything's moldering on top of that. It's like, oh, you people, you get it. Yeah. I just, oh, and and then I took a look at the book, and that's exactly what they did, and I was so happy. Um, Did, yeah. Yeah, I I found myself really frustrated, even with horror fans um, that had issue with the movie because they're like, oh, well, you're, you're going along, and it's this, you know, this romantic story, and then they have the point, and I need to, I need, I always remember to, um, we, with the discussion of the two films, it is going to go really spoiler heavy. Mm-hmm. And again, spoilers for Crimson Peak. Uh, but the point in which um, her father, uh, Carter, is is killed mm-hmm. is so amazingly violent. Yes. Um, because it's a Totoro movie and his movies are fucking violent and it's what he does. And um, they were like, oh, it completely took me out of the film. And I'm like, have, How? have you ha- have you watched a Del Toro movie before? Pa- part of his um, whole thing is the, the, the real monsters are not the ones that 
look grotesque. The real monsters yeah. are the ones with the beautiful faces, the beautiful human faces that you wear. Yes. Um, you know, you're either a Del Toro fan or you're not. Yeah. It's just the way it is. Yeah. And but again, the, the villains are the ones with the human faces. You know, to quote something from Hannibal, yeah. I'm wearing my human skin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's just, and, and the thing is, I love, I love seeing a gothic movie. Like, I just, I love seeing it being made modern day. Mm -hmm. And because they are, you know, but I, I I did, I also just, I loved, I actually got really angry because I was reading the, the letterboxed, um, snippet describing the movie oh dear and and it just <laughs> it described edith as uh torn between the love of the young doctor and and the new romance with with thomas and i'm like she did not have any interest in the doctor, the doctor she was all. perfectly happy to keep him in the friend zone and and she you know in, in a way she kind of seemed more in love with Thomas the Experience than like himself yeah. because she was like, yeah, you'll be fine for my first husband. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, she, she, it, oh God, what was that line that she had? Um, you know, somebody was making a quip at her at being the, the next Jane Austen. And she said, you know, I'd rather be uh, Mary Shelley because she was a widow. And I was like, oh, you my girl. Yep. <laughs> so, oh man. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the, the the beauty of every single part and you know, what what is a what is Guillermo up to lately? Cuz I don't know. Cuz Crimson Peak was not yeah, it was not a success. I keep you know and and it's expensive with his um Yeah. He's a bit like um oh god. Terry, not Terry Jones, the Python, the other Terry Python. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, yeah. That's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> well, you're going to have to. Terry Gilliam. To, Terry, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. Yeah, yeah. Who also, when he wants to be horrific and frightening, can can do that quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Do you ever see Time Bandits? He created the embodiment yeah. of evil. Ah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it looks like 2021 we've got a Pinocchio coming out on Netflix which will be probably terrifying. And then you knowing him? Alley. Yeah, knowing yeah. him, he's gone back to the original story which holy crap is yeah. frightening. Yeah. The the author whose name escapes me, the Italian, uh he's oh, he's vicious. He absolutely hated humanity. He really did. Yeah, um, it said it's a. Uh, it's going to be based on Gris Grimley's design from his 2002 edition mm. of the 1883 Italian novel. Yep, by uh, Carlo Calati. That's a Calati. Yeah. So yeah, and um, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm glad he continues to make movies that really it's it's really funny because um, again that that silly 30 day meme of answering movies. And it was, uh, you know, I think it was a question like, what movie traumatized you or something like that. Mm. And a movie of his that I can no longer watch is uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, because it it is so on it 
with how it portrays abuse that it hit me in a PTSD reaction where I like literally was having nightmares. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually ended up scheduling like uh, uh, an appointment with my therapist because I'm like, I have been having nightmares from this fucking movie that I watched so I could, you know, talk about it again on my podcast. (laughs) But he has, he is, he's in touch with, so much about what makes us human and what makes us afraid. Yeah, and and even his earlier work. Um, oh God, so I'm gonna. Chronos. Uh, was it Chronos? Was the one that was set uh, post Franco in in that that little oh. little little dry dusty uh, no, town? No, Devil's Backbone. Devil's Backbone. That was it. Devil's Backbone. Yeah, I mean that one. Mm. You know, because because you know, I I think what was the first one of his that I saw? Um. Might have been Pan- it might have been Pan's Labyrinth. I don't think I th- I found out about him until much. No, no, no. That's right. I got to see uh, Hellboy first, and mm, uh, yeah. and then I was like, wow, this guy really likes you know like all these creatures. And then I found out, oh yeah, he's built all those other stuff too. And so I went back and saw Devil's Backbone, and was like, holy crap, this guy yeah. understands. Because again, it's it's not you know it's something so simple that can terrify you yeah and you know it's not the oh yes the grand you know of this monster rising out of the deep which is like okay yeah fine if you like if you like lovecraft lovecraft country looking forward to that anyway um me too (laughs) but you know just just focusing on you know a little tiny space with very few characters and a very simple uh example of how horrible humans can be to each other be well i mean the the um the man she's marrying in pan's labyrinth is terrifying and he's well, a horrible person yeah he's like a one captain of the most, in franco's army i yeah, think yeah 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 and and still one of the most frightening things in that film is the pale man with his his table of excess mm-hmm. that that is only there to tempt you while you have nothing mm-hmm. and he would rather see it rot than than let anybody have any yeah. of it. Like it is, it is just a testament to excess and uh, affluence. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah. Oh my gosh. No, you've 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 completely convinced me that I need to dig out my uh, my art book for Crimson Peak too. I highly recommend you do because there's a <gasps> lot. I mean, I got it for among other things, taking a look at the costumes because that's one of my my interests. And oh god! Do you remember the joy that we felt on those first couple of stills of Hiddleston and the uh, black dress? I know, walking across, and we're like, I walk. And if you look, if you look carefully at that hat, there's a face in it. Oh Oh, my god! I love it. I love it. Mm. Actually, wouldn't think I would really enjoy. If, if I could, you know, in, in the, the grand scheme of things, if I had, you know, millions of dollars and influence all over the world, haha, uh, would be to get uh, Del Toro to do something that is a gothic story set in like the 13th century. Like the build, you know, they're building Notre Dame or something. No. And just here's your backdrop play. <laughs> a movie. Four, and then it'll just be titled Four Meg. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not that egotistical. <laughs> I've already embarrassed myself more than once in, in, in dealing with anybody of any of any uh, 
fame at all. So it's like, no, I've been I've embarrassed myself. I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I am going to wrap this up because I this is the most I've done in in about <laughs> in about two months. <laughs> all right. Well. It was an absolute pleasure, and I loved getting to see your face. I'm so glad. <laughs> and I think this is the most we've ever got to talk, and, and I'm not going to let that happen again. Aww. So we're going to definitely get to talk more than this. Yay! So. Yeah, I miss I'll... everybody up there. I miss you and Jillian yeah. and Rias and, and everybody, and, you know. Yeah. What's really sad is I'm here in Seattle, and I miss them, too. <laughs> Someday. I have, someday. I have many, many friends, you know, and now that I have my driver's license, I got it yeah, a couple of years ago. Ha <laughs> ha! I can drive myself places. Woo! Um, I understand. I was I was over 30 when I got mine, so I absolutely understand. I was 42. Apparently, the answer to life, universe, and everything is getting your own driver's license. Driver's license. <laughs> yes! <laughs> but yes, I, I'd love to, to come up and hang out and have tea and, and generally just... And, and maybe I'll... Jillian keeps threatening that my son and your daughter should meet because she wants to to arrange something. Well, they should anyway. They should anyway. <laughs> and I have been doing what I I have not been preparing him specifically to meet Thecla, but I have been preparing him to treat women with respect. Damn it! Always a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a wonderful evening, and listeners, I will see you again in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at DontReadTheLatin.com, on Twitter at DRTLPodcast, on Tumblr, or at Facebook.com slash DontReadTheLatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and themes about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>